everybody out there in accounting listener podcast land, this is episode 47, and I am freaking Jason. And I am doggone Greg, <laughs> and we're so, and even if you're not in accounting land, we're, you right. might be listening because you're in engineering land. Didn't you tell me engineers listen to this amazing podcast? I have heard that engineers listen to it. So I think, they, they, and I think people running creative design agencies have listened mm-hmm. before. Like, what are you people listening for? I have no clue. But I have a, I have a whole battalion of comedy fans that listen just because they can't get enough of, of Greg Kite. That's a lie. That was <laughs> I was lying That's not true. on that part. Well, hey, no. you know what we're going to talk about today? Yeah, I do. But I, but first, I want to know how you feel. How you feeling, Jason? I feel today, on the day we're recording. How you feeling? The day we're recording, I feel worn out, tired, and exhausted. Uh huh. And that's because you've been contemplating doing marketing for your firm, right? Right. And no. so so basically, <laughs> no, you're saying you been... that's how we feel. No, I haven't right. been sleeping well. But that's right. how people feel when they do marketing. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's exhausted, worn out. Yeah, because and and I hate. I mean, when when you start thinking about all the stuff that you, my my theory of why people think that marketing is this giant mountain that they need to trudge up is because marketing is a job. There's two parts of it. Marketing's never done. You're never you're never finished with marketing. And the other thing is, it's one of those things uh, that you don't you don't see the direct line between inputs and outputs with marketing. Which is when, one reason why I don't like tracking metrics and ROI on marketing because I think if you start marketing, you're going to uh-huh. see the fruits and benefits a long term out in the future and you don't know which one of those clients came because of that blog content you tweeted four times on Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Saturday at 2 p.m. Right. Yeah. It's it, well, and that's a that's the old adage about about advertising is that only fifty percent of it works, and nobody knows which fifty percent right. that is. Right. And that's and yeah. So and and I I just did you uh, have you read that book um, Outliers? I did. Yeah. That one of the things that I remember from that is that that's that that was one of the kind of a, a sub topic that he got into was that people who are amazing at what they do they get instilled they 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 start seeking opportunities to work where they can see a direct relationship between inputs and outputs the effort that they put in they can see that that results in some sort of benefit to them later on down the road and that's important but we don't see that in marketing so i think the one of the big questions that i think we need to tackle today as we're talking about how does one market their firm is is really it's almost a sustainability issue how can you stand do doing marketing for a long, long time without feeling like crap just at the thought of it. <laughs> okay, so let's answer that question after we talk about our sponsors. Yes, let's do. Because we have uh, some we, awesome sponsors. We do. We love our sponsors. One of them, you guys know them. Say it with me, avalera.com. Nice work. Say You're it. You're right there. Say it. Av- now go to their website and check them out. Avalara, amazing. Any of your clients that have to deal with sales tax, which is a lot of your clients, clients, they're going to benefit if they can do their sales tax compliance through avalera.com. I get it. Listeners in Oregon, you guys don't have sales tax. Congratulations. <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe your clients don't fit that, but everyone else who's not Oregon and a select other few states that I'm not aware of, you'll want to do sales tax through avalera.com. Well, here's the your thing. Client, your, your client sets it up. 
Here's the thing. Avalara does a freaking buttload <laughs> more than sales tax. <laughs> That's right. They do, they do use 1099s. tax, 1099s, use tax. They do right. freaking everything. So, right. Which is awesome that they, that they do use tax. Do you think Avalara is okay that we use their name and the word buttload in the same sentence? Yes. They, I, I, I got, a, I got a, uh, an, an email from the CEO of Avalara, and he said specifically to try to incorporate the phrase buttload <laughs> that's because the plug we do for Avalara. That's because they are awesome. And you know, they're located on Bainbridge Island, right? I know. I had two sets of aunts and uncles who lived on Bainbridge <laughs> Island. One set's still there. Can you believe it? <laughs> hey, Avalara... Avalara is now the biggest employer on Bainbridge Island. It used to be Safeway, not anymore. Take that giant retail uh, um, grocery store. (laughs) So our other sponsor, we're thankful for Zoho Books. And if what I like to do is I like to go to zoho.com slash book slash tour. Because anytime a company gives a tour of their product, you're going to see really quick what they do. They're one of those beautifully designed well-written cloud-based accounting systems. And so go check them out. They do a lot of things, project management, document management, uh, invoicing. Anyway, full double-entry accounting. Now, I'm doing a webinar with those guys on May May 13th. Nice. uh, And you can go to cpaacademy.org. Okay. And... so, so since this podcast is probably going to be released on May 25th, people just have to go back in time 12 days to be able to <laughs> participate. You, <laughs> you can actually go see the recording, I think, if you're listening. Uh, Smart Alec listener. I know, because that's because that's the beauty of the of the web is that you can do things like right. that. I, now, I, hey, I, I wasn't, wasn't being as smart. I was I no. wasn't being fresh with you, Jason. I was just <laughs> Saying that I was just trying to demonstrate how technology is okay. so great these days. So we're going to talk about marketing today. And we yeah. I think it's hard, but let me ask you something. Yeah. Is there a difference between marketing and sales? Yeah. Well, that that's one of the things that I thought about as we've been contemplating this topic is that goes back. I mean, the thing that my mind immediately goes back to what Tim Williams says, where he says, marketing is is your attempt to make it so that, that having a sales Mark, if you're doing marketing well, you don't have a need to do sales. Make selling superfluous. Superfluous. Obsolete. Obsolete. I think superfluous is a better word. Right, if you yeah. market. But here's here's one thing that's hard about marketing, and I think this is where people struggle. Marketing is a freaking job. You mm-hmm. Like if you say, hey, I want some clients, I'll go market. Well, like uh-huh. you won't get any if you do that, and it'll be in the future when you'll get those clients. So I think it's hard because there's not a lot of – immediate, you know, there's not a lot of of immediate feedback from marketing. It's got to be consistent, ongoing, over and over. And then ultimately, when you get a client, I've asked my clients, where did you find out about us? They go, you know what? I I don't know. It's it's like a podcast. I read a blog, and then you tweeted something to me, and I I can't remember. So you don't know what marketing is actually doing for you. And I know a lot of people want to tie ROI to marketing, I don't know if I believe you can do that. And maybe I'm wrong because I'm dumb in that area. Well, I, there's going to be people who are, I mean, you know, again, this is basically, we, you're an accountant. I I'm am. an accountant. Right. People like, and people like us who are accountants tend to like to try to figure out wh- how much money they're paying in advertising per new client that they get in. And you can do that, but I don't know if that's really going to be actionable information. I think that's the, 
the hard thing with that. But but Jason, one of the things you just said that I that that struck a chord with me was when you said marketing's a job. I'm reading this book right now. Actually, what are you reading a book right now? Any books you're reading? Just this is totally off topic. I want to know. What are you reading? Um, yeah, I'm reading, I'm still reading uh Jules Goddard's Uncommon Sense, Common Nonsense. Oh. That's yeah, that's taking me a long time. So dense. I know. <laughs> it's taking you mean me a the book time. that we were supposed to read before we interviewed him? Yeah, <laughs> in that January, took months to finish too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, that one. that thing. Uh, the uh, I'm reading this book. I can't remember who's Sean something or other. Uh, it's called The Happiness Advantage, uh, and this mm. is a guy who started doing the Harvard uh, Happiness class. And uh, cool. and one of the things that he and it's it's a book published by Harvard Business Press, so it's like a legitimate book. It's not a BS oh, yeah. book. It's called The Happiness Advantage. And just in the little chunk that I read today, he talked about this. He said, he said, there's people will invariably think of their job, think of their work in one of three different ways. They'll either think of it as a job, a career, or a calling. Hmm. And I think that that's incredibly insightful because if it's a job, you're just looking at how can I as quickly as possible get in and get out. You're not looking forward to going to work. You're you're looking forward to work being over if it's a job. Right. If it's a career, you're looking at it going, this, this is a way where I can improve and advance myself and, and achieve some sort of potential. If it's a calling, that's something that you're just like, this fits with who I am. And I think, and in my mind, the way to make all of this marketing stuff work and work properly is figure out how to make the stuff that you do that you can, almost in hindsight, reclassify as marketing. How can you make that like a calling? How can you make that the stuff that you're just excited to do and you look forward to do every day? That's a trick to making it sustainable and making it work. And I have even say making it effective. Well, I know who does that very well. Who's that? You. Me? Yeah. You might be surprised. <laughs> so, well, I think, okay, we have a marketing function in our firm, and you do very apparent marketing for the comedy side of the CPA work that you do. Uh-huh. It seems to, I mean, you're, like, really good at it, so it seems to be something you do intuitively. So, I don't know. Are you going to tell me it's work, or do you just do it because you love it so much? I'm going to tell you that, well— it's kind of, it, it's a mid, it's funny. I think, I guess I would put that probably in the, in, in a, if I had to classify it as, do I see that as a job, a career or a calling, May, maybe reinterpreting career, you know, that, that might not be the perfect word for that, but right. something halfway in between, I'd say it's that I'd say, I definitely, I feel like I have a gift to be able to put together funny blog posts. And I believe that I'm serving the 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 people for whom I write and the readers of those media sources, you know, one being Thrival, the other being Going Concern. I feel like I, I feel like I do contribute something to our profession through what I write. I believe that that's totally true. With my tweet, my tweeting is really the other big outlet I have for stuff like that. And I I attempt. I'm not perfect at this, but I attempt to tweet three accounting related jokes every day, just based off of kind of the headlines in the accounting media. And, and I'll tell you some days, I mean, if I'm, if I'm forcing myself to get to three and, and I'm just not my, it's not firing on all pistons that can feel like a job to get through to where I actually get three. And there's some days where I just force it 
and it's not, there's not a lot of joy in what I'm doing. But then there's other days where I find stuff and it's really funny and I'm able to word it perfectly and I get something to blow up big on Twitter and that's a huge payoff. So, but, but I guess the other thing is nobody's forcing me to do any of that stuff. That's all self, you know, that's stuff that I'm doing because I like to do it and I, and, and I'm brand and I'm branding myself as a, you know, as the accountant, the CPA comedian while I do it. Cool. So let me ask you something. Yeah. Let's, Let's pull back the curtain on Greg Kite marketing. Okay. <laughs> what is the goal? Like the goal of I, I think your brand is you're a CPA mm-hmm. and you're a comedian. Those do right. not go together for most uh, every human on the planet. Mm-hmm. You happen <laughs> to combine those pretty well. Right. So why? The, why well, do you like let me ask you a specific question. Why three tweets a day? Why do you think it's three and, you know, why is it so consistent? (laughs) It's, uh, well, a part of that is just because I am, uh, I am a disciplined person and I love setting up systems from, I'm, I'm almost too, too much of a closure control freak when it comes to stuff like that. But, but I like, I really like the question of what's the purpose of that Mm. because, because what's crazy. So I have been able to uh, to have incredible opportunities within our profession because I did not. I'm doing this stuff without any necessary endpoint in mind. I I I just read something today in in this book that I, in another book I'm reading called Creating Sales Velocity. Kind of a weird book. It's a, it's a little. It's it's definitely. Uh, written in a new agey kind of way, yeah. Uh, but but there's a lot of good if you if you strip away kind of the obvious <laughs> B, BS. Right. There's a lot of good principles that that are in it. I just start and I just started reading today, and and according to Kindle, I'm already 14 percent of the way through. It's a teeny <laughs> tiny book, good little read, good motivational read. But it says, what would you do if it, like and it's it's written specifically to people who are in sales, right? And it says, "Hey, salesperson, how would you do your job differently if you weren't if money if if your paycheck was not tied to what you're doing?" Mm. And that's the thing. I've never looked at at blogging or at uh, tweeting. I've never looked at that as, as an income generator. No. I almost feel, I mean, I guess there's a way where really, if we want to talk about the calling thing, I do feel like that's kind of just, you know, if, if I, if I feel a responsibility to that, it's because I feel like that's what I'm just supposed to be doing. That's me. And that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's my duty to the world is to do accounting jokes. And I, and, and the payoff, the payoff for me is just having those out there. And the times when I have somebody who will tweet back and go, go, uh, my day is better because I, I drink my coffee in the morning and I watch Greg Kite's Twitter feed and there's, and, and he'll make me chuckle. And it's like, that's awesome. That's what I'm trying to do. That's the difference I'm trying to make. So I think, and I think that's kind of what you do too, Jason, with your, with your stuff, right or wrong. No, well, <laughs> ours is probably different. Yours is, is you're more intentional, like we're doing this yes. so that we can get some some dollar bills. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is, I mean, is that technically why you have a marketing function in a company? It's actually to generate sales, which is different from marketing, which marketing. 
I think I think that's upside down. I think your job is to try to help people. Does it isn't your, okay? Isn't, okay. What your firm provides helps people, right? Okay, that's right. Yeah, but but don't I need a marketing function in my firm to tell people I can help you? Mm-hmm. You didn't yes. know about me. I just marketed you. Now you know about me. I'm an yes. option to provide a solution for you. Yes, I'm I'm an option, and I might be good. I might be the right option. I might be the wrong option. I'm going to help you figure that out. Right, and I think that's what you do, too. If you're out there right. tweeting and a bunch of CPAs are following you, you know this. CPAs hire you. I like mm-hmm. <laughs> you've, you've done – I've seen you at many multiple CPA events doing the opening <laughs> stand-up before the boring CPE. Uh-huh. I, do you know I'm going to be – you and I are going to be at ZeroCon here next month. In you, the beginning of, what are you I'm, doing get, at ZeroCon? I'm Tell the me. MC, I'm the MC for the whole <laughs> damn thing. Is that what is I am. great. That's, that's well, going to be a blast. So, Jason. okay. Okay, hang on. Hold up. Right here we are seeing an example. Greg Kite's boring schedule – Not it's not boring that you schedule three tweets a day, but uh, your consistency in doing three tweets a day – has you being hired as the MC for ZeroCon. Yeah. yeah. Because Zero is known as this innovative, different, hip, cool, design-focused company. Well, mm-hmm. duh, it's obvious that they would hire an accountant comedian to MC their event. Let me see. Let me go look up accountant comedians. Oh, there's only one, Greg Kite. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, right. Oh, and look, he does three tweets a day, which are hilarious. Like right. this one on April 29th, Iowa has a tax credit for prom because drunk, horny 18-year-olds are really, really good at keeping receipts. <laughs> and then you leak to the article. You just summarized uh, it. I don't need to read the article. You right. just you summarized right. it in Twitter. <laughs> so your, your marketing's working, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. It is. It is amazing. And, and you know what? That's the, that's the thing. Last year for the comedy CPE, I didn't, I did not do any sales. And actually the, the direct sales I did, I was completely, uh, it, it, it was worthless. I didn't get any extra business because of that. And the stuff, and, and it did, it, you know, I made a fair amount of money doing my comedy, uh, CP stuff, doing my ethics class and my fraud class. And none of it was because I called somebody up and said, Hey, do you want me to do something for you? Is everybody contacting me and saying, Hey, we want you to do something for us. Yeah. So that's, and that's, and, and there's a, but there's a luxury to that too, and that's something I don't want to I don't want to uh, overlook. Is that you know for, that's one of the reasons why I've also kept my day job that I've been trying right. to shed myself up for years <laughs> is to be able to to be so I have that and it's a good day job and it pays it pays well, but it's nice to be able to have that that security of going my ship's not gonna sink if I don't get enough business with comedy CPE. Right. But I would, but I would say you're one of the only well-known comedian CPAs in the world, probably the world. Yeah. So that's, I know, I know three, I know of three others. So yeah, the list is in the UK. So he doesn't really count. The other one is, uh, you know, John Garrett, we had him, on the podcast once, and he let his license lapse, so he doesn't really count either. Yeah, so there's a guy a in real... Minnesota. There's a guy in Minnesota. He's funny. He's funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So yeah. now, so you were asking about the marketing function of Blummer CPAs, yeah, and and yeah. it is more intentional. Jennifer 
my wife, who's my assistant, also, you know, part-time is the marketing assistant. And uh-huh. what she does is, let's see, she she made a list of the things that uh, we do. Um, uh-huh. Okay, so here's what she says. Number one, uh, she requires that I produce relevant content for the niche that we serve. Number one, so we're mm-hmm. so we do content marketing. Right. Now and, and tell me what that tell me what that means. Your niche is creative design. Companies. Yeah. Design marketing agencies. So what does that mean that you create relevant content to them? Does that mean you're saying if if you are a design company, then your intellectual property needs to be amortized over a 15-year useful life for tax purposes. However, according to Gap, is that what? No. That see, your- okay, so here's what CPAs <laughs> think, right? Their content has to be an amortization table. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> the here's the content. Our content is related to the thing I can do for design and marketing agencies. And I can help them grow, price, and create stronger strategies to build a bigger company. That's what okay. that's what I can do. So that's what Jennifer has me write about. And she requests that I do two blog posts a week. And we've mm-hmm. we've gone out to breakfast and talked about what is the strategy. And if you go to blummercpas.com slash blog, you will see that my blog posts are very short on mm-hmm. purpose. Uh-huh. A couple what, paragraphs. What's the, what's the purpose? For, is that for you or for the reader? It's for me. Okay. Because, and you yeah, got which you, you, which, That's good, right? I'm on top of that. That's what I'm saying. Because if, you got it. you're killing yourself, you're right. not doing it right. Right. So if you're, right now, if you're listening, you go, I got to blog more. Yes, you do need to blog more, but stop blogging about amortization tables and the latest insurance tax credit because we don't give a crap. Your your clients assume you do that. That's what they're doing. They're saying, you do the insurance tax credit, but tell me something that's going to help me. You have to give free content away. And Mm -hmm. so mine is about growing. They want to grow their companies. Well, I can write a little bit about that. Um, So it's, but- but here's the thing, and this is this is probably most owners, not only CPA firm owners, but most owners. We just won't do it if if it's so burdensome. Yeah, I mean it's so overwhelming. You know, right? Like writing is one of your you know strong. That's one of your strengths, but it takes a lot of work to write. And yeah. so I've told myself I will only write small two paragraph blog posts because yeah. I I just it just won't happen. And Jennifer is saying. Listen, I don't care what you write. I need, I'm the marketing person. I need two blog posts so I can create content generated, <laughs> consistent right. tweets and right. posts based upon the content you give me. And sometimes she writes content. She'll right. just review a podcast uh, I do, another podcast I do for the design world. She'll review that that podcast or something real quick if I didn't have time to do content that week. And then she does, um, and then she does a lot of work to schedule that out in a lot of creative ways to a lot of different social media platforms. Right. So, so in terms of that, so it almost sounds like what you could do to to make Jennifer happy, just to get her the the blog, the two blog posts a week, is you could say, the other day I was thinking about how one could create, could grow a creative company and a design firm, and then just write the words blog post, blog post, blog post, blog post over and over again, and then then say clearly this will work for most, if not all, design and creative companies, and then that would be it. What? Just. <laughs> Forget it. It would have been. It was hilarious in my brain. Okay, in my brain. 
No, <clears throat> I should stop. Okay. Okay. So anyway, I just de- I just derailed us completely. Yeah, that's right. Yes, continue with what you're saying. Okay. So she she tells me to to create content. Wait, wait, wait. Let's have five seconds of silence so that our audio engineer can know where to come back to <laughs> to remove that the last okay. one minute. Okay, and go. Go. All right. No. So she she requires that I produce content. So somebody's got to produce content. Yeah, somebody uh, does. Right. Now, and it doesn't have to be – there's going to be somebody in your firm who's going to want to do that. I'll tell you, when I was at – when I was, for the one year that I was at a CPA firm, if they had come to me and said, hey, Kite, we know that you're funny. We know that, you, that, that you've got stuff to say. How about you start blogging for our company? I would have been like, yeah, hell yes, oh, although man. they wouldn't have appreciated me saying hell because they were that conservative. But I would have said – I would have said, darn shoot, yes, I will do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, the thing is, is that, I mean, we were working in the billable hour construct. So the way that, so they would have had to ease off on their expectations for my billable hours. Uh, But there's somebody, if you don't want to do this, start talking to other people at your firm. I mean, if you're a solo person, it's on you. Well, let me, so let me ask you this. So what, here's what they did. They don't know that they did this. They made a trade-off between short-term profits and long-term investment in the brand of their company. Uh-huh. Now, I, I think most companies do that wrong. So basically, they said, Greg, now they never even approached you to write for them, I know. No. But no, if no. they had, they would have had to gone to the partner meeting and said, mm-hmm. we want to think of Greg Kite to possibly write one blog post a week. Uh, does the board vote yes? And right. the decision <laughs> they would have made would have been, all right, how many hours will he not bill? All right, so right. let's say that's $250 a week. Uh-huh. He would not bill. And right. what will that create as a brand for us long-term, maybe even in three years, which is pretty mm-hmm. long-term, uh, mm-hmm. what kind of brand? Will we be a fun firm, a funny firm? Maybe mm-hmm. we'll be kind of – maybe we'll attract, you know, fun clients because we're a funny firm. We're known as that guy who has the the funny blog. But right. that's the trade-off mate we make. We go – I got to bill more hours, mm-hmm. so I can't write blog content. And really, it, you're not investing in the future when you're choosing to do that. I think. Right, and that, and I just, I just cranked that out. If it was, I mean, if you were working in a billable hour situation, you'd, you'd have to say, well, because t- if it was two fifty a week for a whole year, that's thirteen thousand bucks. So you're saying, well, this blog, but sure, better be bringing in at least thirteen thousand dollars worth of business every it's year. That, and. And no. then somebody's going to say, well, how can we track that to make sure? And somebody will say, well, we can't. And then somebody will say, well, you should have them not do it then and continue uh, cleaning up people's QuickBooks files. Okay. You just went through the process. You went through the process that most firms would go through that's wrong. Mm-hmm. They would come to – they came to the wrong conclusion. Because here, let me – here's a takeaway for marketing. Marketing is a long-term commitment. So if you tell me, I want some clients, I'm going to go market. I'm going to go, hmm. You, you probably want to sell people something. You want to do sales. Marketing is a long-term right. investment to get right. leads in a year. Mm-hmm. To make the sales superfluous. Right. Yeah. yeah. So this, so that the selling doesn't have to be a, lo- a big part of what you're doing. So mm-hmm. marketing is just this long-term investment that few people make a commitment to. But you know what? If you do, if, if one firm's making a commitment to marketing and you're not, they're, you know, long-term, they're going to win. Yeah. And, right. I, and I think long-term is how uh, we can, need to look at things. And can I tell here's something else that I want to talk about in terms of marketing too. I think because, you know, we're, we're not talking about uh, 
you know, companies don't need it, it's it, well, actually, I just saw today Intuit is doing some kind of uh, big game thing where some in like QuickBooks user or something can win this contest and get an all expense paid Super Bowl ad. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know what? If a if a let's say a local CPA firm got a Super Bowl ad, they're not going to be getting hundreds of thousands of new cust. I mean, you know, millions of people will see that ad. Will they, you know, are they going to see a bump in business because of a Super Bowl ad? Hmm. I'm thinking probably maybe a little bit, but not much. What when we're talking about, I think there's so much to be said about individual, like individuals interacting with individuals. And that's something, I, part of what that comes from is what I learned from Michelle Golden directly, also through her book, uh, Social Media Strategies for Something, Something, Something. Yeah. And, uh, and that was the whole idea that's like social media, the first word there is social. You, if you're going to use it for marketing, you need to have conversations with people through it. When someone asks to connect with you on LinkedIn, you should make it a habit to email them and go, hey, I don't know who you are. What's your business all about? I do comedy CPE. Uh, is that, you know, what are you doing? You know, just initiate a conversation with them rather than just going connect. Look, I'm up to 574 connections now. Right. You know, that's well, not. As an example, when we write small blog posts, we get people that comment on them. And when we right. see that comment come through our email, we jump, I jump on it immediately. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's like, and, they just talk to me. I must talk back. It becomes a priority. And then yes. they talk back again. And so, yep. and, and I'm teaching and instructing and that's, that's what it's about. And it's just and, enhancing our brand and, and um, helping us get clients right. long-term. And, and maybe, and maybe that's a trick for people who are having a hard time thinking about how to, how to start a blog, figure out something that you <clears throat> could put on there. That's going to elicit comments and responses and questions. I mean, that's one of the things that I think about, uh, maybe not even as much as I should, but I know that comes to mind where it's like, I'll be, I, I will spend a lot longer than I probably should crafting a blog post. And part of it's because I want it to be very, very clear what I'm saying. But then there's times when I sit back and I go, you know what, if I leave a little bit of ambiguity in this post, then that might, or, or, if, or if there's something that I go, I know the way I said that somebody can come in, especially an accountant can go, well, you weren't totally 100% accurate right. on what you were saying right there. And, it's, and, and instead of changing it, I will intentionally leave that sometimes because I'm going, if, if it causes somebody to post a comment to say, hey, you weren't 100% clear or that wasn't the whole picture of how that, you know, qualified production activities, whatever uh, <laughs> credit works, then it's like, cool, put it on there. I want to talk to you. I'd rather have the conversation. The conversation is more important than the post itself. Well, exactly, which means we should probably lean towards being more polarizing than being more accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. But I don't. I mean, oh. tell tell accountants to that, write a post and don't be accurate. Right. <laughs> They'll crap right. their drawers. Yeah, they will. But you got it. But but that's the thing. You're not writing. You're not writing code for the uh -oh. you know, for, for the well, Internal okay. Revenue Service. Right. You're writing a blog post. Right. So our so our conclusion is, calm down, people. Calm, 
Calm down and put some stuff out there. It's a and freaking blog post. That's the other thing. That's my other thing. We talked about it before the show started. I think you got to be authentic. People are really afraid to let their real selves shine through, but that's what people yep. are hungry for today I is agree. to see someone who's not a plastic cut. That's why it wouldn't have worked. Another reason it wouldn't work for me to do stuff at that firm because that firm was very, very scared of anybody being authentic with the clients. Oh. They wanted everyone to just be incredibly professional and not do anything that could possibly be construed as uh, less than perfectly uh, 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 professional. Right. So, okay. So we've got a good guest we're going to get online, Matthew Wilkinson from New Zealand. And yes. he has Biz Inc. online. His company's called Biz Inc. Biz Inc. Biz Inc. It's Biz Inc. Right. And he basically builds, you know, websites, but he's really focused on true, authentic content. Um, and, you know, he creates the content for his his accountant website clients, and we want to ask him about that. You know, how authentic is content that you didn't create? What if yeah, somebody, yeah, yeah. like, if, Greg, if I found out somebody wrote your jokes for you? Oh, yeah, that, that pissed you off. Yeah, I don't know if I'd like that. But... Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? He's serving a market that just can't produce the content. Right. Right. So let's exactly. So let's get him on the horn and see what he thinks about marketing yes. for accountants. Let's go to New Zealand. New Zealand. Here we go. Pumped. Okay. After Greg and I talked about marketing, we are excited to have Matt Wilkinson from New Zealand, though he is from originally from the UK. And he is an entrepreneur doing what we were busting on earlier, Greg. And he is running his own uh, company called Biz Inc. And you can find mm -hmm. that at bizincconline.com. And he's basically doing content, marketing, websites uh, for firms in Australia and New Zealand. So, Matt, welcome. Did I get all of that right? Yeah, perfect. Thanks, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're we're totally glad to have it. Now, I, I, I am interested to know because obviously, what you do, you could do that for anybody anywhere. But do you do you purposely limit yourself to just Australia and New Zealand? Um, at the moment, we did because uh, we wanted to, um, you know, test the market there, get the product right. Um, okay. But the intention w was always that we'll look to the US and the UK after that, or on Canada as well. So basically any English-speaking countries. Um, okay, so Belize will probably be in there as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, I have one client in Curaçao. Oh, wherever no, that Curacao. is. Curacao, <laughs> exactly. that's, that's, a, that's the, that's the uh, city planet in the Star Wars <laughs> movies yeah, right. it, it could have been i had to look them up on google maps but yeah caribbean island um off venezuela so wow okay wow cool who knew so that's cool so matt you okay so i've skyped with you with you before and one thing i was interested in and i i think there's a there's a there's definitely a difference between websites of u.s based accounting firms uk based accounting firms and Australian and New Zealand accounting firms. I seem to see the difference. And of the three, I would say the U.S. accounting firms probably have the worst <laughs> websites and content marketing programs that I can tell. Um, I don't know if you agree, but would you know why? Or would you have some kind of an opinion as to why we we seem to lag here in the U.S. of, of this online marketing? Yeah, I think it's hard to put your finger on. I think there is definitely a difference. I think there's 
There's actually a difference between websites full stop in the States and say say the UK, which which I'm probably familiar with the, the most in terms of general websites. Cool. Um, which is just, I guess, you know, different styles and 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 that kind of thing. In terms of accountants, I don't know. Um I guess one thing here, especially in New Zealand, um, it's a very simple kind of tax system. Um, and I think uh, that takes away some of that compliance burden, burden from companies. Uh-huh. So um, I think that forces accounting firms to do more than just compliance. Wow. Um, and I think when we talk, Jason, you said, you know, there's a lot of firms who just, they're like tax shops in yep. the States. Would Definitely. That be, would that be right? Oh, yeah. So yeah, I think, yeah. you know, the government's giving them work, right? You know, by wow. you know complex tax laws and that kind of thing. And I think that would be my call: is that you know New Zealand, particularly um, Australia, to a, a lesser extent, um, firms you know have to offer more added value services, which which pushes them into doing more marketing, which which results in better websites. Wow, that's amazing. So the fact that the US is is kind of a heavy compliance country means means essentially there's not a lot of need to market. Wait, wait. hold on. Back, back. So, Matt, did you just say that heavy compliance implies boring websites? That's kind of what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. Uh, well, I think it, it keeps – it keeps. Um, so, you know, if the government it keeps creating complex tax laws and compliance and all of that, then that means it's, you know, it, it, it's feeding work to accountants, right? Definitely. Oh, gotcha. Um, so we don't need we're – not, we're not scrambling over – clients so we don't need to have as, as snazzy of a website because we got more than we can have because our government's feeding us this diet of, of uh, right of, of uh, you know affordable care act compliance that we've got to take care of that's my call because i mean new zealand is incredibly simple i wasn't i wasn't I, I think i came off as hyper aggressive <laughs> uh, when I when I asked that question, and that's only because I found out that you were in Aries right before we started uh, <laughs> taping. So I just want to match your energy. That's all I'm trying to do. So, but but Jason, I interrupted your question. Sorry. No, I've I just you know that that was something that uh, that stood out to me when Matt and I talked, and it it I thought a lot about it because I've I see this. I just see a visual difference in the websites being built in the U.S. and the ones being built in Australia and New Zealand. Um, the ones in Australia and New Zealand, Matt, which you build, a lot of those sites seem to be focused on the value of design, uh, the value of content, the value of pushing that content out consistently and creatively um, because there seems to be a need in Australia and New Zealand to differentiate yourself with the services that you, you pitch to your clients. Would that be right? Yeah, I completely agree. And I think maybe another factor is also that um, the uptake of cloud accounting here mm. is huge. Obviously, yeah. Zero comes from New Zealand, right. um, which has um, the highest use of cloud accounting software. I, I was at ZeroCon in Auckland last week, and they said 25% of businesses are, wow. are using cloud accounting software. Wow. Um, so I guess, you know, they're going to say that. But, but, you know, I would say... Anecdotally, I would think that is true. Um, nearly everyone I know would use Zero, uh, or, or my business kind of colleagues. Same in Australia. I mean, I think it's about twenty percent there. So you've probably got the two countries with the highest uptake of cloud accounting. That's obviously been led by Zero, and they're very much a 
a modern marketing company. So I think they've probably led um, firms into doing more modern marketing as well. And that, you know, obviously there's not as much uptake of cloud accounting zero in the States. So possibly that's, that's a factor as well. What, what about the UK? Since you're very familiar with that, is, is the UK more like the Australia-New Zealand market in terms of uh, web traffic marketing than it is the US, would you say? Um, I, I would say it's behind um, oh. in terms of in websites and online marketing, that definitely for accountants. I'd say generally, um, it's a, you know, if you took businesses, I'd say they're probably ahead um, mm. You know, like a just just general business websites. Okay. But if you flip it to accountants, and that's possibly again linked to, um, you know, the incumbent software providers as well, could have a factor there. You know, you, you've got a kind of, um, you know, a lot of firms that are, I'd say more traditional in their approach there, and that flows through into the into the marketing. Okay. Gotcha. But, so so here's here's my I do websites create customers for accountants? Oh, good question. Because I, I, I and, and here's why I ask is because I'm thinking that, I mean, obviously, if I am, if I just woke up one day and said, hey, I guess I've got a business and I'm finally at that point where I need an accountant and I, and I just did a Google search for accountants in my area or something like that and started clicking on websites, I probably would... I, I would see where a, a website could influence my decision, just the feel and the layout and that sort of, and, and, you know, and some of the, you know, quick, a quick perusal of the website could make my decision. But I don't think, I, I think that's going to be a small, small minority of the accounting customers out there who are going to search for an accountant that way. Um, wh- what are your thoughts on that, Matt? So I would agree with you on that. Um, I think that um, referrals are always going to be the mainstay of new business. Uh But there's a thing that I would call almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy that I always see with more traditional firms where they say, we get all our leads from referrals. um, We don't get any through our website. Uh So our website's pointless. And then you say, well, okay, let's have a look at your website. And frankly, it's rubbish. So <laughs> that's why you don't get any leads from it. And so, yeah, yeah 100% of your leads will come from referrals. Um, you know, I was even talking to a guy last week who, who, who said that to me and didn't have a website. <laughs> like, well, you, you, so you're not going to get leads through your website if you don't have a website. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> no way. So, so um, you, said, you said what percentage of your... Your refer uh, of your business comes through your website. And he's like a very small percentage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> round about zero. <laughs> and uh, and he yes. Yeah, so, so so you know that that's this kind of self fulfilling prophecy I see. So I'd say okay, for me the first thing the website needs to do is, I guess I call it like seal the deal with mm. referrals. Mm. So okay. You know, one of my business buddies says to me, you know, I'm looking to switch accountants. And I say, you know, go and see, go and see my accountant. Great guy, blah, blah, blah. And, and off he goes. The, fir- the first thing he will do is put the, put the firm's name into Google, right? Mm-hmm. And, and look at the website. You know, whether he trusts me or not, he's going to go and have a look. So, you know, if the website looks awful, I think, you know, you pretend, you know, there's the potential there that he thinks, well... I don't know, you know, I, I, I trust Matt, but this website looks terrible. Um, right. So to me, it's, you know, 
it's that sealing the deal that, that, that if, yeah. if someone does get referred to you, they go and they go, you know, they're checking off subconscious boxes. It's like, you know, it looks good. Hey, they update their blog. Um, you know, they offer the services I want. Yeah, I'll give uh, them a call. Right. That sounds, Jason, that sounds a lot like, I, I, yeah, you, you convinced me, Matt. Uh, Jason, that sounds a lot like what we've talked about before in terms of like like the broader uh, view of just client experience. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense where, yeah, you don't, because Matt, you're right. As soon as somebody gives a referral, they're going to check you out on online, which, and I know that's happened to me for other businesses where I, as someone, you know, for some reason there's a business I've wanted to, you know, what do business with and i've looked them up online they haven't even had a website and then you go or not and and yeah and i could see going to a website and just the feel is wrong and it might just start the relationship in a weird kind of with a weird funk on it where instead of like enthusiasm and excitement to start this new relationship well so here so matt here's it seems then that websites and you know sufficient content really support a brand as much as it tries to get you a client. So if you say it seals the deal, then it yeah. can be just the online positioning to say, yes, we are a legitimate company. Please read our most recent content, which was this week. Um, so I don't know what, what part of it is. I don't know what part does an online website for a firm support a brand, whatever that means, or create a client, which I'm questioning whether websites directly create clients, but just support a brand. I don't even know the difference. I, th I think the two things are linked. And I think there is a proportion of new business that you can get through online. Mm. Um, you know, the, the example, Greg, that you gave about, um, you know, people Googling for, for an accountant, you know, that definitely happens. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some some firms get a lot of traffic. I did a webinar with um, one of our clients in March, and um, they brought on a marketing manager who who I had as my guest. And um, their website used to get no no leads, like literally nothing. And she worked with them for like six months and um, took its time to get going. But now they get about four leads every week. Um, oh, convert wow. about sixty percent of those to clients. Jeez. Um, wow! And the average average client value is four thousand dollars a year. Wow! So, that's, so that, like, that, that's an exception. I would say there, you know, like definitely an exception. I just um, got kiwied. What just happened right there? That was amazing. <laughs> I got kiwied big time. Or did I get limeyed or did I get kiwied? It was one of the two, and I felt it. Well, well played, Matt. Well, Matt is uh, originally from the UK, right? So he doesn't care about kiwis like you said right. matt those is, are is, i i just i said limey is that is that derogatory i don't think anyone even knows what it means but i, I yeah it's yeah it's not derogatory it to me it's it's <laughs> not okay kid well kid. okay so matt this is this is interesting something you said um uh, in this example is um you worked with a site and it took about six months um <laughs> To, to generate that content into the marketplace, support the brand, whatever it does to generate the leads. Early on in our time together, Greg and I were talking about the importance of marketing and sales and what's the difference. And we we came down on the fact that marketing is really, it's a long-term function. So when people say, I want some clients right now, and they come to you and say, give me clients, Matt, 
I think it's it makes sense to say, well, you're going to do marketing, and that's probably going to take about six to months to a year to create what you want, ultimately. And that's the thing that people don't want to commit to, it seems, is the long-term function of marketing. It's a consistent long-term commitment before you get anything realized on the back end. Is that typically true? I think that's true for any type of business, isn't it? You know, it's... Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of our clients, you know, because they're numbers people and, and you know, um, tend to be sensitive around costs, mm. you know, so what's the ROI of doing, uh, you know, what's the return on investment of doing right. a blog? And right. it's like, okay, <laughs> right. you know, it's not like if you write 500 words, that will equal, you know, $5,000 next month. It's, right. it's, it's, $10 know, a word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and especially with the kind of, um, I guess what we call content marketing, the more kind of modern inbound styles of marketing. Um, it's very hard to pin an ROI on one activity. Like you say, it's a, it's a longer term strategy that uh, pays dividends and it, and it really does. So you can measure the ROI, I guess, over a longer period, but you can't be too specific about certain activities. So, so what do you say to a firm that says, okay, it's, it's this much money, I'll buy a website from you and some ongoing content from you, Matt. Um, mm-hmm. What will I get in return? I mean, how do you how do you explain yeah. it to them? I mean, some of them will say, you know, you're probably not a good fit for us if you don't. <laughs> va- <laughs> you know, yeah, that's you good. Value. Fire yeah. them before they're even clients. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and I, and I think that's important with, with with any business. You know, is that is that you, you work with people who who value what you do. Or the relationship isn't going to be a happy one. So I think we're lucky in terms of that we try to attract a certain type of firm. You know, we've had a couple of firms who, you know, they've turned around and said after a month, you know, look, we're not getting any leads through through the website, and yet, well, you know, it will take time, and, and they've left. Mm. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I actually had one guy said to me, "We're not getting any leads through the website." Um, a couple of weeks ago. And I went into his website and he had, over the last year, I think he'd had something like 11 inquiries, hmm. uh, but he hadn't followed them up. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. Oops. So, yeah. So, so, so I think you get some people like that who sort of, um, they don't, don't commit to even the basics, you know, of getting back to people. And, but, but, you know, I think, you know, most, most people get on board with what we do and, and what we say is, look, we can probably, you know, we give you a big foundation, but there's also a bit of effort that you need to do. And, and generally that 5% extra effort will get you the, you know, the 90% of the results or whatever it is, you know, kind of 80-20 rule. Yep. Um, that, that extra bit of effort. Um, but get, getting a lot of firms to commit to marketing is is quite a challenge. What? Why? Yeah. Why what, won't they do it? I what's, mean, the res- what's the resistance? I've got a, I got a theory, but I want to hear what yours is. Oh, so so I put it down to two things usually is um, lack of time, lack of skills, or a uh, mixture of both. Gotcha. Simple as that. What do you think, you know? Greg? I think I think it's not. Their it's underwear's not the, on too tight. The, it's partly it's partly uh, missized undergarments. The uh, <laughs> other part is, is is time, and it's not that they have a lack of time. I mean, it's what we were talking about before, Jason. That the the when you're billing your time. You mm-hmm. it completely distorts. demotivates you to do anything that you can't bill. It's a so, distortion. 
Yeah, it's a it's a it's a incredible distortion. It makes everything, you know, I mean it's what Ron Baker says, it changes every 6 minutes into its own income statement. <laughs> and uh and and when you're doing that, you're just thinking short term, you're not thinking long term mm. at all. And so it's not that they don't have the time, it's that they can't build the time. And that's that's uh, and I think that you know, that's just one of the that's one of the uh things that makes the you know, the billable hour model so, uh, you know, you can't even, it, it, you, people don't see the, the unintended consequences of that model. And I think that's one of them is that you're going you're gonna to forfeit marketing as a result. You, you think that's true, Matt? There's like some long-term versus short-term uh, false uh, decisions firms are making as far as like short-term, I'll give up billable hours to write content, which probably is not going to give me anything in the short-term. It may long-term... Uh, but they're not making the right decisions as they compare short-term versus long-term d- decisions. A hundred percent agree with that. And um, I think you mentioned that, you know, a lot of firms in Australia and New Zealand just seem to do marketing better. Um, I think they also tend to be firms who are, you know, doing value-based or, or yeah. um, fixed-price billing. Yep. And mm. those two things definitely, I think, overlap quite a lot. Mm. So I've got a question for you about content creation. I naturally kind of recoil from the idea of outsourcing content creation. And the reason why is that I feel like if well well actually I was telling I was telling Jason this I think this was before we even started recording. I've got I've got a relationship with a mortgage company and like maybe once a quarter they send us through snail mail a like a physical newsletter. And you can tell from reading through that newsletter that they subscribe to a service that produces a newsletter and just puts a bunch of different companies' logo on the front page and like a picture of their staff. And apart from the, other than that, it has nothing to do with the company. It barely has anything to do with mortgage stuff. Uh, it, maybe it has stuff to do with it's like high interest, but it's weird. And you um, can tell somebody else created it. You can tell if you think about it for a second. You go, my mortgage op- people didn't create this. This is just this is just something they they should have just sent a postcard that says, "Hey, remember us," and that would have been the exact same thing. <laughs> um, so so tell me what your philosophy of outsourced content creation is. How tight do you have to be with the company? that you're creating content for and how unique does the content have to be? So I guess, yeah, I, it, that definitely an interesting point. And I think, um, I know exactly the type of newsletter you mean. And I think accountants are one of the worst offenders for sending those, um, newsletters Uh, actually often by PDF as well, which is just horrible. You know, when you get that on your phone or you just (laughs) delete it, right? It's attached, Um, right? Yeah. 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 So I think, um, yeah, I feel pretty strongly and, and done done a lot of thinking about this because so we we do sell some content that is um, that we offer to all our clients, but I was all, always hugely opposed to us just doing say a newsletter or we'll put content on your blog and it's the same on every single one of our clients. I hate that idea. Mm, um, right. At the same time, most firms. Not that they won't pay; they just don't have the budget to pay for bespoke content, wow. mm. and that they won't necessarily write that. 
So what we do is give them access to like a library of blog posts um, that they can choose from. Mm. They can edit them. But it won't be like, you know, on, you know, May the 7th, everyone's got exactly the same blog post on on there. They can go in and go, okay, I want to do a blog post about, you know, whatever, like cash flow. Um, Pick one and put it on their blog. So I'd say that's not an ideal situation, but to me, it's kind of like a lesser evil of saying, okay, if if we don't give them that, they won't do any blogging. Like a lot of clients will not do any blogging. So to me, it's going, okay, if they can start doing that, they can see how powerful a blog can be. And then maybe they mix in some of their own content. And then, and then they start thinking, I actually enjoy this. And mm. the posts that I write probably, uh, they probably appeal more strongly to their client base. Um, right. And so to me, it's kind of like an education process that, um, yeah. yeah, ideally everyone would just write all of their own content and it would be completely unique and all of that. The reality, you know, isn't that situation. Um, and it's not but, but going then, to be anytime soon. I, I don't think it's, it, it isn't, you know, so I think that that's to me the lesser right. of two evils. And, um, and maybe, yeah, so maybe what you're saying is almost like a baby steps approach. Where it's like, because yeah. you can say, well, what's what's better, a website or no website? And somebody's going to say, okay, a website. And then you go, okay, well, let's get to website. What's better, a crappy, crappy website or an awesome website? Well, <laughs> right. an awesome website. Yeah. <laughs> what's better, a blog or no blog? Well, a blog is. Okay, well, what's better, a cookie cutter blog or one that, that a cookie cutter that you've gone in and, and personalized, somebody else wrote it, but you personalized it either to your, you know, to your firm or to your clients that you're trying to get to. And you go, well, the one that's that's personalized. Then you go, what's better personalized or one you wrote your own? Well, it's one you wrote your own. So I think I, I can see what you're saying there where it's kind of you can you can sort of modulate up to the point where you're comfortable and then maybe maybe and hopefully catch the vision to start getting to those more authentic, more personal kind of uh, content marketing ideas. Exactly right. You know, um, and, and I would say to firms are quite honest about it is to say, the best thing you can do is, is write, you know, content exactly for your clients. And, uh-huh. um, but that's hard, you know, I think, um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it, it, you know, we're a content marketing company. We do a lot of content <laughs> marketing and that is, you know, it's, it's heavily time consuming. Um, so uh, I can understand yeah. why that is hard for certainly like a sole proprietor firm. Yeah. Right. Um, you've got to kind of love it, I think, to, to do that. Um, right. Well, and sometimes the hardest thing is just the blank page where you're going, uh, I'm supposed to put out, a, it's, it's that time. I got the, got the Google reminder that popped up that I'm supposed to yeah. get a blog done. So I better do that. And you just go, what do I write about? But I could see that being a huge service saying, well, come and look at our library of stuff that we've already written about and pick one and then go in and edit it. You could, that's a whole, that's something that I could see somebody going, I, I'm going to spend 20 minutes personalizing one of Matt's blog posts so that it fits our company and our clients and, and being able to get in and get out doing something like that. And that's a lot better than having nothing for sure. And it's a, and it's a lot better than just copying and pasting the, the, the blog post word for word. So that, that seems like that's a pretty huge help. I would say. That's my take on it. I mean, the, the kind of, um, moral dilemma is that, um, you, you've got kind of two markets to me. So our market is selling to accountants, right? But, mm-hmm. but the actual end user of what we do, the, the kind of the consumer of it is small businesses or, you know, the accountants, right, clients. Right, right. Yeah. Um, 
And that's what we're really passionate about. As And, you know, the, the same as, you know, hopefully our clients is that, you know, we're passionate about helping small businesses. So that's mm. the kind of content we're trying to create. And um, so, you know, I see it as that, yeah, we've got those two markets, whereas there are a lot of firms, I won't name any, or companies who sell content to accountants. That right, like CPA account, web, website designers. <laughs> Oh, yeah, don't list it. Don't say No, I, I want to know. You're talking about cpawebsitedesign.com, right? No, that doesn't exist, you dummy. <laughs> there's, there's a few of them, and, and they make millions, but they're, they, they just sell something that appeals to accountants in the sense that they appeal to what I would say is lazy accountants who Ooh. don't want to write any content who just want to slap their logo on the horrible PDF newsletter. Um, uh, their clients don't want to read that stuff. But it, right. in their mind, it ticks the marketing box. Wow. Uh, so, right. so you're saying there are companies building content for an accounting website, and really they know they're appeasing the accountant they're selling the content to, when, when really it's supposed to be content written for the small business owner, their clients. That's that's that, yeah. yeah yeah that's exactly that's what I'm saying. Okay, I got good. a new question for you. I'm, that's not good. Let's go deeper into this content thing, Matt. What what about video and where does video fit into all of this? Um, so I think video can be super effective way of doing things um, if you're not an accountant. <laughs> that's, that's scary. <laughs> I've seen some firms do some really cool videos, either animated or like real motion, them talking. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it, you know, I think it can be really authentic. I mean, people buy off people or people deal with people, right? Yeah. So, you know, people people don't, you know, create a personal relationship with the website. So, you know, video done really well is, is really powerful, I think. Yeah. Um, and... I think it's starting to be used more. A few firms I was talking to at, at ZeroCon last week were, were talking to me about, yep, yeah, we're actually going to invest in some video because it isn't cheap, you know. Right. Um, no. Good video is expensive, but I think it's got, you know, it's got longevity and it's it's got a lot of power. So I would like to see firms doing more of that. And you can either, I think there's, to me, there's kind of two kind of videos that you could do. One is you sort of explain a video, you kind of brand video, mm-hmm. which if we go back to that sealing the deal on a referral, um, if I were, you know, referred to an accounting firm and I could watch a 90-second video, which really explains to me about what they did, I got a feel for them, you know, saw real people, I think that's really powerful. Um, I think there's another way that firms could use video, which is to is to educate and... To, and yeah. um, demonstrate their expertise and I think that needs to be a lot less polished you know you could just have a you know like a cheap HD camera talk to that you know it doesn't matter that it looks a bit um, amateurish it's yeah. kind of more authentic I mean not amateurish but it doesn't need to look polished right. um, yeah. and they yeah. could use that to you know either talk to clients which would be super different I think you know if instead of you just getting like a bill at the end of every month or year you know your accountant was sending you things Every month, hey, here's how to, you know, uh, do this. Here's how to, you know, think about cash flow. And they're actually talking to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could also put that, obviously, like on YouTube. And then I think, you know, you could be known 
you know, get prospects through doing that. Yeah. People would find you through that. So I think video that way could could be incredibly powerful. So, okay. Yeah. So we're almost out of time. This Our time always goes really fast. So Greg, can I ask one last question? Or you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Matt, it, let's just say, now a, a lot of our listeners are pretty sophisticated. So they run their own firms pretty well. And we do have, you know, firm owners listening to this podcast, but if if they want to if they want to take marketing to the next level, uh, what thing what one thing should they commit to long term to doing consistently that really is going to be the thing that brings them some kind of return on an investment in a website and marketing that it's like almost like guaranteed return. Is there something they can do? I suppose what I would say would be commit to commit to commit to content. Yeah creating content if you create valuable content um i think over time every firm i've seen who's done that either you know will attract clients and they'll they'll retain their clients probably if there was so so that, i'd say that that you know that contains a multitude of things is it, you know content creation process is quite involved if i had to say one specific thing um in terms of online marketing i would say look at making your site have like a really strong calls to action on it mm, okay. so that instead of just being here's the phone number give us a call you would have something like um you know give away some content in return for an email address cool. then maybe use email marketing software to nurture people with like autoresponder emails yep send out some drip marketing and um, give away more content um and, and build that email list because i think you know, people talk about social media and all these new things, but actually email marketing still outperforms everything else, really. Wow. So if you can build a nice targeted list, I'd say that's the way to do it. So a good call to action on your website, get email addresses, nurture them with, with email, and then, you know, people people don't switch accountants, like, all the time. You know, it's maybe a once-a-year thing. So someone might visit your website, be impressed. They're just not ready to switch. And then they'll go away and forget about you. If you can get their email address, then it might be in a year's time. It might be in a couple of years' time. If you can keep that relationship with them with good content, it might be videos, blogs, whatever it is, I think um, that's incredibly valuable. Cool. Email marketing. Yeah. So so my takeaway is get their email address yeah. if yeah. you can. Yeah. Mm. I mean, what what's the conversion rate on an accounting website? I mean... Amazon's conversion rate probably the highest in the world, like right. what, like ten to fifteen percent tops. Wow. Huh. Um, I reckon an accounting website, you know, even a good one, it's it's going to be like one percent or less. Mm. Um, so you know, you know, most accounting websites aren't going to get tens of thousands of visits every month. You right. might, you know, probably measuring in the hundreds. Right. Um, so you know, off one percent, you know, you're not going to get a lot. And I'm talking about conversion as in people who become a client. Right. But maybe your conversion rate on getting email addresses could be 5%, could be 10%. Mm, and, right. and then your conversion rate from that list, I would suggest would be a lot higher than that. So mm. that, but, that, that's what's, that's that's quite important. Okay, so the email marketing, no, that's good. But I, th- I think what you said was to get that email address, you're, you are going to need to give them some kind of immediate content, like download this, this one thing you know they're going to want. Um, in order to to be able to capture that email address, right. like this like shir- like shirtless pictures of you, Jason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, me with my shirt off. Yep, that's good. <laughs> doing get, doing CrossFit. 
<laughs> okay. Let's do it. All right, Matt, thank you so much for teaching us about marketing and the exciting world of building websites for accountants. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. It's great. <laughs> it's so good to have you. Oh my gosh, Jason, Woo! that blew my damn mind. <laughs> that was that was Matt Wilkinson from New Zealand who was telling us, but he didn't talk like them because he's from uh, he's from UK. London. That was a, an incredibly international guest with some great things to tell us about uh, our websites and about marketing, which we did all it, hate to do, but but we need to do. Did it blow your mind because we learned how bad accountants are at marketing in the U.S. As compared to other parts of the country, yeah, yeah, and I did, I did think it was very interesting that that uh, that what he said that reinforced some of the stuff that we said that that uh, you know all the regulation in the United States is really undermining our profession from yep. doing business well. So it is. I think I think it's another just you know wake up call that's like come on let's pu- let's collectively as accountants pull our heads out and realize that we that we're actually running a business that should be doing things right. And we know how to do things right. You just got to do them. Just do them, man. Right. And so this is wrapping up the May edition of the Thrivecast. And we got to say thank you to our sponsors again, Zoho Books. They have a beautiful accounting cloud-based software online, and I'm doing a webinar for them. See the show notes for the webinar link. Oh, it's yep. but it, which is in the past. I already did it. If you're listening to this podcast, sorry. Get on it still. And and uh, Avalara.com, <laughs> go check them out. They got the they got the sales tax and so much more. So go to Avalara.com, check those guys out, see everything that they have to offer. Uh, we also need you guys to go to Thrival.com because. Yes. On that front page, there you will see a link to Deeper Weekend Registration, which is our annual live learning. D-dubs. The learning gathering we have every fall in Greenville, South Carolina. And it just, it gets better and better. This year we have Ron Baker coming and some surprises. And Greg, you're always there. You do Stuber for us each year. You drive people around the city. I'm I'm the stupid uh, Uber. Yep, stupid Uber, the Stuber. I'm basically a (laughs) soccer mom the whole time I'm there. That's right. And you're my and you're my little soccer players. That's right. Y'all are the soccer players. So, um, and you know, I'm excited. I'm going to ZeroCon beginning of June, and Mm -hmm. (laughs) Greg, you're going to MC the whole event. I can't wait. It's it's gonna be awesome. I'm so looking to know and hear what you're going to say on the ZeroCon stage. Yeah. It will be fun. It'll be a blast. Um, hey, Jason, if people want to contact you, how can they get a hold of you? Twitter is the best way, at Jason M. Blummer. And how do they find you, Greg Kai? And S- how do they same. how do they read your tweets, you, your three they, joke tweets per day? They can go to at Greg Kite uh, on the Twitter as well. And people follow me because I've been perennially about 1,000 followers behind Jason. And I think I think this year's the year I need to overtake him. So what? Yes. So if you're listening to this, you need to unfollow Jason. No. <laughs> and and uh, and follow me. No. So do that. It just it just be nice. It'd be fun. Okay. Right okay. here. Thank you, everybody. Okay. We love you. Thank you for yep. listening. See you next month, guys. Bye bye.
dude, how could you forget to to mention that your wife is the um, whatever the that she's the producer of our show? You totally okay. Hey, thank you to our producer Jennifer Blummer. It's too late, man. It's too late, and you forgot Aaron Dowd, our audio engineer. Thank you, every listeners, to audio engineer Aaron Dowd. Isn't he like your racquetball partner or something like that? Yes. I mean, he's. How can I forget my racquetball partner? Wasn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he go with you to your first prostate exam? <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's a that's he a drove me there and back. You don't you don't forget that guy? You can't drive when you go home from your prostate exam. <laughs> you no, know, you really shouldn't. You really, you you, you really You're shouldn't. Standing even up in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Jennifer Blummer, my wife, who I don't forget uh-huh. normally. Thank you for being our producer, honey. And thank you, Aaron Dowd, honey, for being our audio engineer. 